Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. This is Weldy sitting here with Andrew about to recap a, a very fun weekend of hockey down in down in the prairie palace of Mankato. Um, all right, I'll just cut to the chase. Where are you on your panic meter <laughs> when it comes to the season? I don't, I don't know. It's I'm. I like to think I'm pretty level-headed about everything, but uh, I'm. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of confidence uh, after after this last weekend. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's. I, I I've been wrong before, and I'm fine no, you with haven't. being wrong. I don't believe that. I know it's hard to believe, but <laughs> I've been wrong before. It's just not often that I'm so wrong so quickly. <laughs> Keep in mind that. We're, in, we're recording this in October of 2023. In the same month of October 2023, I predicted that this was a Penrose winning team that we're covering. 13 days ago, we recorded that oh. episode. Uh, and that seems pretty off at this point. I'm not ready to wave the white flag, though. It's early. And there's still plenty of time to get the season turned around. It's just, it, it, we're kind of getting late early here. You know what I mean? Like, we got to figure it out and kind of quick. Yeah. So as far as I panic, where my my hand is hovering over it. I, and my expectations have definitely changed for this team. Going into this next weekend with Alaska, I don't think it's fair for us to assume that they're going to do anything more than a split. And even that might be optimistic. So there's still plenty of time, but we got to see something here that proves to us that, that it's going to eventually come. And I, I'm just, I'm more and more skeptical the more games that we watch with this team, but I'm not giving up yet. Oh no. So no, no, we'll be here every, every week. Nothing's going to change. But uh, to have the expectations that we both did and then just to kind of see these opening weekends, um, you know, kind of the big thing that I want to also reiterate, um, you know, whereas I'm not I'm you know, I'm I'm probably on, I guess, a, a five and a half, six on my my panic meter or whatnot. But um, the big thing here is that it's still incredibly early in their season. There's still a lot of weird results going around on, you know, unpredicted or un unpredictable results going around all of college hockey, a lot closer games than people have thought, which is overall good for the game. But at the same time, it's way too early to even speculate about the damage that this is going to cause for the team uh, in these results, which again, to, you know, with two overtime losses total and these teams very well might finish one, two in the CCHA when it's all said and done. Is it likely? No, but they might. So it's not, but it might not be this huge pairwise thorn in the side that everyone or that people may kind of look at. It might look at in the outside. Whereas, you know, 
if this result happens in January when it was, you know, mid to bottom of the CCHA, yeah, it, 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 it's sting a lot more. We don't know exactly how this is going to affect in the long run, which is kind of keeping my hopes up. Um, but at the same time, I mean, this, this, this team hasn't found the offense. It hasn't found the zone pressure and it's, you know, even the, the defense as well has been a little bit more lax and, Bassy in general. I mean, that's turned into what I think has been pretty big question mark. I don't know what the rules are of uh, calling up a, a hola, maybe getting getting her some time because, I mean, she hasn't allowed a goal all season, so <laughs> it's worth a shot at at this point. Although Posh did well in uh, in uh, in relief, but I don't know. Where do you want to start? You want to start? Um, I guess I already gave my thoughts on the weekend as a whole. Uh, Where weekend as a whole, like overall thoughts. Do you have anything or do you just want to dive right into uh, game one? Uh, Yeah, no, I I agree with what you're saying as far as we're not sure what exactly these first two weekends, how big of a hole it's created. We don't know what they mean. And I agree with that. We know what they are. We don't know what they mean. Right. But more troubling for me is just this, these aren't, I mean, yes, there's only been one regulation loss among the four games, but we just, we haven't quite, they they haven't passed the eye test. Like they haven't really looked good in these games. It's not like they're just kind of losing hard luck games. And again, yes, two of them in overtime, one goal games, obviously, but Aside from like what the first period against St. Thomas, the first game, and then you know they had a two nothing lead on Friday against Mankato. I don't think they were playing great. They had a two nothing lead for about a minute and a half. Right, and so, a lot of that was at that time when they got up two nothing. I I was like, this Mankato team really isn't doing much for me. This is a team you probably should sweep. Yeah. And then yeah, you blink and. Really, again, after from that point on, the, the weekend was pretty much dominated by Mankato. The Saturday game was fairly non-competitive. So I'm more concerned with I'm more concerned with the, the performance that we've seen so far and especially disappointed because I don't really think the young the young players are to blame here. I mean, we saw like Warren Clark had another bad game, you know, gave up you know, a bad defensive play to set up one of the goals on Friday and I still think he's been overmatched, but mm-hmm. you know, Hall and Werner, uh, Gross have been kind of pleasantly surprised by. It's really not the young guys; it's the old, it's the older crew that's let me down. Um, I think we, it, and it might be as as much as what was the biggest question mark that we had. I mean, Bassey aside, again, I'm, I'm not real high on him right now, but I think he can turn it around too. But that's we'll set that one aside. I think the biggest question mark we had was center down the middle. Is it, is it as easy as that, that we still haven't figured that out? We saw already some scrambling there, putting Barrett Hall in the center position, um, moving Ingram back to wing. I'm putting uh, Solquist so, on the third line, I think. So, right. And we see, you know, a weekend where he is only average at, def- at face-offs. I think he was exactly 50% on the weekend. 
we see the rest of his skills or let's say lack thereof sort of be exposed if he is, isn't dominating in the faceoff circle. So I was just thinking after the weekend, God, they miss Crookshank. Someone like that where it's like a, a senior slash grad player experienced sort of playmaker. They just not even looking for a sniper or a scorer. I'm looking for someone who can, kind of dictate the office. They just don't create some opportunities. And and that's the thing is I'm just seeing a lack of opportunities. Um, And even the opportunities we're getting, you know, I'll, I'll jump out of my seat. Maybe, maybe once a period. um, And then it'll flub off Molinar stick or something like that. Now I feel bad saying Molnar's game because of the goal that he scored, but it's not exactly. He actually had a decent weekend. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's not exactly though that that goal was a rocket. I think Tracy would like that one back, but at the same time, um, I, I mean, I remember there was that scrum when it was still you know kind of close in that Saturday game where we had a chance up front, and I think one of the Mankato players lost their stick, or Alex or Tracy lost their stick, her uh, his stick. Um, and, you know, we had a good scrum there, but, you know, we ended up not being able to convert on those chances. And like you said, like missing a, a Cronulla or a Crookshank or whatnot, like some of those people that can disrupt and kind of make those plays, that's sorely what we're lacking right now. And we have just zero offensive pressure, sustained offensive pressure to, uh, to really convert on those chances. Yeah, and I'd like to think that we have the talent. I think that the talent is there. It's just, I mean, the second week in a row here, we're coming back with like a lack of chemistry or gelling. That might have explained like the first period and a half for Mankato. They just looked like a team that, you know, that was the first real game that they had played as as that group. But they seemed to find it, and they turned it around for a weekend in which they, you know, won two games, albeit one in overtime. And maybe, maybe it's typical to expect a team like this to have a little bit of growing pains and and to gel, but we we saw, you know, another one of their opponents kind of figure it out mid game and make adjustments. You know, we see a team like St. Thomas, who, again, I, I still think is more in the cute story realm uh, rather than a serious threat, but we've seen them put up some, some good performances and at least look more cohesive than the Huskies have. Uh, So it's, troubling i mean i think you mentioned this is the best defensive core in the in the uh conference you know we saw anhorn kind of be a little too risky or be a little too aggressive in the overtime um i don't know kind of a bad play i don't know in the, in the neutral zone i don't know what's going on there if he's just trying to do too much or but he's also making some bad penalties too that yeah. are a little bit more uncharacteristic so it's I don't know. Peart had another sort of weekend where I thought he was kind of a little slippery uh, with the puck, kind of turning it over at some times, and he took a couple penalties as well. Um, perhaps it's these these guys uh, who really kind of um, pride themselves on an offensive aspect of the game from the point. Perhaps they're kind of pressing because the offense isn't coming from the forwards. Uh, perhaps they're kind of trying to do a little too much. Uh, but that's distressing. If we thought that that was really the the strength of this team um, to have some leakage uh, from the back end, 
um, might be distressing. It's not to say that everyone has been poor. I thought, I think Reiner's has been solid this year. I think Wiley's been all right. Um, I guess of the three units, we're thinking offense, defense, and goaltending defense still might be the strongest because there's more question marks with Bassey seeing him get pulled uh, in the Saturday game. I don't know if that was right after he bit on the wraparound for the second time on the weekend, did that for the game winner on, on Friday. And then he was beat by that. I can't remember if it was the second or the third goal for Mankato on Saturday. No, I thought it was deserved to pull him if only to try to swing momentum. And they did play well, probably the, maybe the best sustained pressure they had even counting the Friday game was the last half of the second period after Mankato was up three, nothing part of that's going to be because uh, Mankato kind of, stop being as aggressive as they had been with three, nothing lead, but St. Cloud was able to at least pressure them to an extent that they hadn't before that point in the weekend still was a fruitless attempt. I mean, they were able to pitch one goal in late in the game with an extra attacker before Mankato salted the game away with a couple of extra attacker goals. But so even, you know, needing to sort of find a, a spark of momentum by doing a goaltender change, I, I, I'm wondering what the health of James Gray is. Uh, Posh looked fine. I think it's hard to sort of uh, gauge his performance based on mop up kind of mop-up work. Yeah. I'd like to see him in a full game. Um, I think we'll get I, a better, better idea of what he brings. I think to we're going to get him in a full game this next series as well against Alaska. If not Gray, I, I, I assume that Gray is still hurt. I, I would have assumed coming into the year that Gray is above the depth chart of Posh just based on the fact that he's a little older, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would be surprised if Bassey plays both games this yeah. weekend. I'll put it that way. It, no matter who we get in the other game. And it might be posh slash gray in the Friday game in the opener. And then maybe if they thrive that they get the other start on Saturday. I, I don't think Bassey's definitely does not have this job on lockdown and I don't think it's all his fault, but, uh, he was not impressive this weekend. That's for sure. And so searching for answers there. And I just bring it back to the offense. We saw a, a weekend where I thought the power play struggled, you know, really since that, that first game against St. Thomas power play, they haven't scored. Have no. they? I mean, they, they had the extra attacker goal, which I guess is a man advantage, but not a power play goal. But I mean, just struggling uh, to set things up and over this weekend, Again, there was a couple of yeah, decent power play chances where they were able to get a couple of shots in a, in one sequence, but nothing that was ever too threatening. I thought they made the they made the weekend pretty easy on Alex Tracy, a goalie who I was surprised to see get both starts. Yeah, mentioned uh, Keenan Rancier, sort of was the guy towards the end of the year last year. That's who the Huskies saw in the playoff game uh, in Fargo, and when I saw Tracy. The first night, and then when I saw him the second night, I'm like, well, maybe Rancier is hurt, or maybe CHN is wrong, and Rancier transferred to Wisconsin like everybody else did. Don't, don't but no, I saw him. CHN I saw him on the. Woden is listening. Oh, uh, it wasn't. It would be his fault, but uh, <laughs> but no, I saw him. Uh, you know, suited up, and he's doing the doorman duties as backup goalie on the bench, and so it's like, uh, and, and Tracy looked fine, but I'm just got a little surprised that he got both both games. I, and I wouldn't call him like a backup, but just surprised that you weren't able to 
give him more pressure yeah. is if he's going to be suddenly their starter. That's not a role that he's accustomed to at the college level. So um, disappointing that they just couldn't, especially Friday. Like you have a two goal lead. Uh, I know it's the worst lead in hockey, but uh, you know, they had an opportunity there to really sort of kind of run with it and just kind of take it, take control of that game. And, I only do it for your benefit because I know you, you love, you love that, uh, uh, that turn of phrase, but yeah, I don't know if you wanted to go with each of these games in depth. I don't know how much pain you want to reinflict in yourself. Let's do it. Let's um, just rip the bandaid off. Sure. Um, just quick clarification for, for game two. The second goal was the wraparound goal. Uh, the third goal was the one where, um, Clark kind of whiffed on the clearing attempt and, um, it was a, a, a two on two coming in. Clark uh, like had the chance. He decided to go for it, but uh, uh, what's his name was able to kind of just bring it back and was able to beat Bassey high, which caused him to get pulled, which again, beating a six one goaltender high, or I'm sorry, a well, I'm six, glad you brought that six, up. Six goaltender high. It's just it's his default is going down to his knees and just opens it up. Um, Morton, Morton. I mean, it was a nice. It was, yeah, and he had a good week. Yeah, I mean, it was a nice shot, but at the same time, it's like Barrett had or not Barrett. Um, uh, Clark had a chance to go ahead and clear it, didn't. I mean, it was a harmless play, and not to be able to capitalize and and get the stop when you really needed it to try to stop that bleeding was uh, frustrating. Yeah, to bring it back to the Friday game, I mean, I got home maybe like a minute into the game. So I just I, I flipped it on. You West Coast time zones. Jeez. So weird. <laughs> Waiting for daylight savings time to kick in for you guys cuz then cuz we don't we don't observe daylight savings time, so it's doubly confusing, but the games will get an hour later for me, which is nice. It gives me a good buffer after I leave work. But, uh, so I got, I got, I flipped it on about a minute or two into the game and I'm not good with numbers. So when I saw the St. Cloud goalie and I couldn't, I couldn't even make out the number, but I'm like, Oh, that must be posh or something. Cause he looked small. Like he was like hunched over. I'm like, Oh yeah. that I, Who is that? Is that gray? Is gray, gray healthy. And no, I was like Bassy. I'm like, God, yeah, he just <laughs> negates all of the size advantage by just doing this semi, you know, permanent crouch. And I, I know that's, you know, goalie one oh one now. But it's just it's frustrating because I, I don't I don't see real the 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 benefit uh, in in negating such a natural size advantage. But that's kinda how I picked the game up. Um then I picked the game up with the uh, Mankato announcers and I remember this from a couple of years ago. <laughs> their announcer so it's they're bad. they're just and they're brought, I wouldn't even, I don't mind the Okabe, um, you know, because we, we are no authorities <laughs> when it comes to pronunciations of players. Was it just the fact that it, like, it always stuck out so much or did Okabe just always have the puck? So yeah, see, I was going to go. You're going to trip it up. Default to Okabe. Like, I, like, maybe it's just, I noticed it more because he just kept, it just kept going with it. But like. Well, I was like, maybe he just always had the puck, or he just never left the ice. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I score it, sheet, it, but it. I, but I would be able to accept that. 
it's a tough name. And yeah, I, sometimes the pronunciation guides that uh, St. Cloud yeah. uh, gives them isn't the best. <laughs> They're not, uh, we've seen some of those pronunciation guides go awry as well in the past. So willing to forgive that. It's more like, I think that it's like that play by play guy. It's like brought to you by Ambien. He's just boring. Like he kind of lulls you to and sleep. Then- he's got no real, intensity at all even for mankato goals like he's just kind of fairly mild i felt like it was just so monotone up until mankato scored and then it was like a huge spike up and it was just like an electric shock of like buddy geez (laughs) where it's almost (laughs) like you want to say calm down which like you you shouldn't but that's what but it's like you just have no excitement throughout the whole time until all of a sudden it just hits you with like uh, like electric shock paddles from any medical drama ever, where it's just all of a sudden you just and bam, and it's like, oh, geez. yeah. So I flipped it over the KBSC guys, oh. um, and I was able to to sync it up, and I I enjoyed I enjoyed that much more than than listening to the ambient crew on Saturday. Though I run into the same thing where the radio people are above. They're faster than the video feed. I, if it's the other way around, I can I can make do with that. But I can't I can't pause KVSC on my phone because if you pause it and you press play, it just, it just recycles to whatever the most current live is. So I was able to I had to sit through the Okabees and the Meetinins and and the boringness uh, of of the Mankato broadcasters for Saturday, which was disappointing, but. So that was, and it, that's, well, that's, first, it reminded me of two years, two years ago when that's when I discovered Blake Tyson, KBSC group, because it was the same thing. It was that same boring Mankato announcer in Mankato. And I'm like, I need some, I need a change up. So shout out to Moose and Fern. I friends enjoyed of the show. your coverage. Friends of the show. I enjoyed your coverage much more than the, uh, so than uh, the I'll, I'll tell on myself. Mankato. I did not listen to them. So I'm sorry, gang. Uh, but overall, were they critical? How? how I guess I could just ask them. But uh, what were kind of? Did yeah, you I agree mean, with their uh, assessment of the uh, of the game? I mean, I, I nothing is sticking out as far as like okay. it's a profession. It was a professional broadcast. Like they're a little bit homerish, but they're not, they don't shy away from being critical as well. I don't think they were being, they weren't being like Andrew level critical, which I hope you aren't <laughs> ever that level of critical. Um, and you, you really shouldn't if, if you're covering that team, no one would, no one would stay tuned in, but yeah, I guess I can't. I can't even remember. I had a couple of drinks that night, well, there you so go. Well, um, it, it was yeah, needed. I, I might so. kind of forget. One thing that I thought, and I wish I was able to listen to them on Saturday, but I wasn't because of the technical. They should be just like have a huge delay on KVSC. Put like a minute delay on KVSC. <laughs> that way, I'll always be able to because I always run into this. It's like I would do it every game. I would simulcast their <laughs> broadcast over Jim Rich certainly, but I can't a lot of times because of this issue. So. Just slow Jim it down. Rich. Jim Rich would love to explain the overtime rules to you. Um, the like, so Friday's game, thirty-eight percent on faceoffs. Uh, faceoff, like you said, with you know Salquist, our faceoff stud being average, you know, middle of the road all weekend. But everyone else was abysmal. 
Um, Ingram was terrible on uh, Friday. Hall sliding over to center on Saturday. He was terrible um, on the draws. I don't know how much time that he's had at center, but all around, that was just hugely lacking. Um, One thing that I found was interesting, though, I will give Van Cato a lot of credit for it really reminded me of actually the women's game against Mercyhurst where they were able just to really get in front, plug up lanes and block shots. Now um, St. Cloud didn't again, like in Mercyhurst, St. Cloud didn't do enough to change lanes and get like work hard enough to get shots through and eventually just shot in frustration, what it looked like, which obviously went right into the shin pads of the Mankato defender. Um, But I do feel like this penalty kill that Mankato had will probably be one of the best in the country when it's all said and done. Cause I do think that they were incredibly good in position and they were, I mean, we weren't able to really do anything on the power play all weekend. And I think, I think you can say that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a knock on St. Cloud's power play, but I think I'm going to actually give a little bit more credit to Mankato and their defense when it comes to that. Um, yeah, that's fair. It's a lot of block shots. You know, they were able to clog lanes and you know, a team like St. Cloud, which kind of, especially on the power play sort of prefers to sort of keep it at the dots, you know, yet in office, we kind of think of, um, you know, it's a, it's a winning formula to defend against that kind of power play. Um, it's again where I kind of wish that there would sort of be a plan B there, kind of like a, you know, getting back to their sort of trademark, the grease pan type goal. And that's uh, where like Fitz. And maybe that's easier said than that's done. That's where Fitzgerald but, was so good yeah. being down low and and right. and using that uh, resource as well. Um, and then obviously, you know, we kind of get into that overtime, um, and you know, we win the draw in overtime. We uh, control. We had one really good instance good chance that you know definitely was a pick that was set it was interference but you know at that like i said they're not going to call it an overtime so you might as well run it um unfortunately it doesn't go in um and then we're still able to control but that's where like they're getting so much coaching and three and three hockey and it's just so much like it's a slower game just waiting for a mistake to pounce on um and I think, again, Mankato, incredibly well-positioned, incredibly structured, um, not allowing St. Cloud to get a lot of room. And I think Anhorn just got frustrated. So he tried to make a play, turn it over, and then all of a sudden there's a rush, and then you've got VT Mietnan back there. Um, and on defense, that's that's never going to work out. Um, in the end, uh, you know, goes on the wraparound, gets the game-winning goal, and it's over in one rush. Again, it's just, you know, everyone knows our stance on three-on-three hockey, but it's it, it's clown hockey. And then that's just what we have now, and I understand that. But the record show, I've always had this <laughs> thought, and I'm not just bitter about, you know, the two overtime games, but, you know, the two overtime... And maybe, the, maybe that's, again, I, I, I'm trying to put on my idiotic optimistic optimist the idiot the idiotic optimist hat to do a do a uh, sounder for that but what if st cloud would have won the two overtime games we'd be sitting at three one and oh is it just the matter of a couple of bad shifts in clown hockey 
what the perception would be in the fan base. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a good point. I think people would still expect us to though, that we should have handled St. Thomas better. St. Thomas gave the Gophers all they could handle in the Friday game. Um, that was a, a back and forth affair. That was um, a lot of fun to watch. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it's, you know, it, you know, you got those couple of bounces. It's going to be, you know, we might be singing just a little bit of a different tune. That's a good point. And I remember saying this last year in the Miami series, the Miami home series where they, they won two shootout games thinking I would have rather have lost one of those shootouts because sometimes, sometimes losing can clarify weaknesses better than kind of like illusory wins, like these kind of cheap wins where they cover up, they sort of mask the fact that you didn't play a very good game. Oh, we want to shoot out. And maybe that's the same thing. Like for one and three here, we really are focusing on what we need to do to turn this around. Whereas that message might not have been easily come across if it's two and two or three and one based on some overtime luck or however you chalk kind it up. Like in uh, D three, so. when the mighty ducks were up nine, nothing. And then in the third period, they came back to tie nine, nine and coach Riley said, I would have preferred we lost because you learned more from a loss. <laughs> That's exactly my point. Riley and I see eye to eye. So I don't know. Obviously, I'd rather not be one and three, but if it it kicks you in the butt, and if it's an effective butt kick, then, like I said, there is plenty of time to turn this around, but let's hope that message gets across. (laughs) In the uh, no, it's one, one, yeah, but oh, <laughs> oh, and two. Here we go. So to be accurate, um, yeah. And then uh, you know, the second game, I was, you know, I saw the line changes. I was a little bit excited because I'm like, okay, you know, this will jumpstart some some players. I think you know, Southquist going down on the third line. You got Ingram back to wing on the fourth line you know, open up some time, open up some space, better matchups, just flat, just, I didn't think there was any type of, you know, urgency or any type of, um, just, just any type of spark, like throughout the whole, whole game. And then Bassey gives up, you know, the, the first goal, which I can't remember was that on the power play. I think it was. Yeah. Where, you yeah. know, I think Morton, Morton tried yeah. to center it. It gets deflected back to him, and then he shoots, and it's goal. Okay, fine. But, you know, uh, you know that Olsen play, um, you know, where it was that wraparound, and then Morton's second goal where, oh, where it should have been cleared. It was just like, this. clearly it's just not our series. And even when Kupka scored with, like, five minutes left to go, I mean, I... I don't think I cheered. I was like, it, we're just kind of delaying the inevitable at this point. So it's, you know, I, th- I thought Ingram was fairly invisible. I thought Kupka, you know, had an, an all right. Like, I mean, it was, if it wasn't for the goal, I didn't think he did very much um, in, in general. Um, Clark, again, we're going to have some growing pains and I have to keep telling me that, but I thought he had another rough weekend. Um, especially on that what second goal, the game tying goal, um, that Mankato, 
uh, scored where it was that bank pass and let the defender get behind him like that. And it's like, can't do that in this league. And hopefully that's a learning, um, a learning situation for him. So it's um, yeah, a little bit, a uh, little bit of a frustrating weekend overall. I think Mankato is solid. I don't think they're, I don't know. I don't know what to make of the CCHA overall. It's going to be it's, kind of, yeah, it's going to be kind of an interesting year for, for all of that. But. Yeah, that's, that's very intriguing because yeah, Michigan tech was the preseason favorite. They're winless through three mm-hmm. games, you know, Michigan or Northern Michigan, uh, had a winless weekend against Duluth. I think we got a question coming up about that <laughs> one from our favorite Duluth fan. Um, but they look like they can score goals that don't look like they can stop any. Uh, and then you got these two teams that the Huskies have seen, Mankato and St. Thomas, who, again, I'm, I'm more sold on Mankato because they just have more of a track record, even with you know the amount of players they lost. They still have guys like Morton, who I think is solid. Looks like they're decent in net. It looks like they're decent at the at defending. At least you mentioned like power uh, penalty kill. Uh, again, I'm not sure. That doesn't look like a championship team to me. But you know the CCHA might be completely wide open. We saw the. Uh, I mean, again, Augustana's not technically in the conference because they're only playing a limited schedule. But two and zero against uh, Bowling Green. Yeah. So. And again, I'm not sure if those count in conference standings or not. I'm not sure if they do, but um, that league's completely up in the air. I, I think, think one of those so one uh, hookup that weekend was Zemer from Tremblay, which uh, yeah. which was a yeah. former uh, former St. Cloud State player and a commit and, uh, commit that uh, fizzled out. Uh, so. Well, and see that winning goal they scored on Saturday. Yeah, because it was a Saturday-Sunday series, your favorite. <laughs> but um, that winning goal, that crowd was into yeah. it. I mean, yeah, Augustana. They're coming. They, it's, it's, I guess, like, they're, they're not quite on the same par as St. Thomas in terms of, like, school. But in terms of, like, it might not take them too long to at least jump into legitimacy, especially with their building opening up this year. Yeah, they... They're well set up. I think if we're talking about a league where put those teams in the blender, we're not sure who's going to emerge as a first place contender. We got so many candidates. Um, you know, it might not take Augustana too long yeah. to sort of become competitive in that league either. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Well, it's like a, a slightly yeah. elevated Atlantic hockey <laughs> when it comes to it. It's yeah. like you're going to have your bad teams in there. That's always going to be bad. But uh, you know, you might. Uh, draw a name out of the hat of the uh, four teams. Who knows who's going to be good that year? Yeah, like Atlantic Hockey is going to, they're, they're always, I mean, with an asterisk, not always, always, but usually going to get one bid in a league. You know, they've, they've had the year where they had two. And then they'll beat St. Cloud. That's going to happen like once every 20 years. Uh, CCHA is going to like, they'll, they'll more regularly get two teams into the, into the field. Yeah. But um, it's just too early to, to gauge, and as a result, it's too early to to gauge how, how freaked out we yeah, should how be this about St. Cloud. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with Alaska. I mean, then I think yeah. maybe at that point, then you know, we'll find the a bridge. But uh, up until you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, do you, uh, 
you know, I, I, I almost hate to uh, kind of bring this up, but uh, do you have a have a have a Powell for the weekend? Yeah, we should always try, even in a weekend where it's difficult to come up with one. Uh, I had some candidates. I mean, Barrett Hall scores the first goal on Friday. Kind of nice little uh, transition off of a turnover. Um, a, a nice play and a nice shot from him. I did think he kind of struggled um, in as a center mm-hmm. on Saturday, but again, that's kind of Who a position it? that he might be. <laughs> right. And I don't know how much expectations you should have for him in that role. Um, but he's continuing to impress. He's not a problem. Like, correct. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. Um, yeah. Just, you know, I thought guys like uh, lit key was all right. I thought he was fine. You know, Molinar, he did score the other goal, and he, uh, I did think he was okay. Well, you know, I, I, I have said Reiners has been solid this year. Um, he did take a penalty on this Friday game, but he's not a guy that's going to rack up points. But he's just a stay-at-home presence who I've been impressed with, not just early this year, but last year as well, sort of emerged as – just sort of a steady presence and I'm, I'm rarely sort of cursing his name um, after a, an opponent's goal scored. So yeah, out of a, just an appreciation of his style. Cause he need guys like that. And I thought he had a decent weekend. I, I noticed his name positively at least throughout the weekend. So I'll, I'll say Mason. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, go Huskies. Woo um, said hard to pick anyone, but he did like Barrett Hall again. Um, which is also my pick um, just because he was really the only spark plug we had on offense all weekend. A um, little few and far between, but um, I've been incredibly impressed with him. Um, Anor's bad penalties seem out of character. Love that Brett changed the lines. He feels like a lot of messages were sent um, by some of the shuffling that went on. So I hope, you know, it, I hope that lands if that's the case. Uh, they played better overall on Saturday. Two goal outbursts, though, really did them in. Um, they seem to have trouble passing to each other. A lot of passes and the skates, and I think it's—I mean, overall, a fairly young team just trying to get used to that. You know, we've got obviously some of veteran leaders, but you know, we do have a handful of sophomores and freshmen. So, but I mean, I thought I thought I'd, I'd see a little bit more out of Rogers. You know, he didn't really have much. You know, and just going on, who else even played? Rosborough played. Not much out of him. So, like, the, I think even the whole fourth line on Friday, especially, looked fairly invisible. So, Ports, Ports has been underwhelming. Yeah. Now, I don't even know what to expect from Ports coming in. Um, but, yeah, he's just been, he's a jag, just, just another guy there out there so right um posh looked strong enough to start a game um, in his pick so that was his thoughts on the series so um i mean yeah that's uh, that's pretty much all we can kind of say about it is, is is just that and we'll see what happens here uh up against alaska who is a team that you know Desperately, I think St. Cloud needs to kind of get back on track, especially coming from home 
or back home. Uh, now they did have again, like we were talking about, how Michigan Tech was kind of the um, preseason odds-on favorite. Um, also, my pick odds-on favorite when it comes to um, the the CCHA and what well, they go into Michigan Tech and take a four four one win off of them on Friday with um, four goals there on uh, on in the second period on, on Friday, then uh, Saturday able to get a two, two tie on them. Um, and that's after handily getting swept by Denver. So it's like, so this is a team. If we want to stack ourselves up to Denver, you know, we gotta, we gotta match some of that intensity. I don't know if this team has it. And so far from what we've seen. Yeah. It's very possible that Alaska is going to be the best team they've played so far. Um, and this Carl is Falk revenge not real, right here. There you go. There you go. Yeah, this isn't. I mentioned it last week. This isn't a gauntlet necessarily to start the season. Mm-hmm. You had St. Thomas, Mankato, Alaska. You get a week off after that, which hopefully they won't get swept uh, that weekend. <laughs> um, and then Miami for the conference opener, which you can't take those games for granted now either. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, yeah, this isn't, these aren't world beaters uh, that we're playing right off the bat here. And yeah, it's possible that Alaska, like I said, might be the best of the bunch. They might be the worst of the bunch. Who knows? Like two performances that either means Denver's otherworldly or Michigan tech is overrated or more likely somewhere in between there. Uh, Probably, I would imagine that Alaska stayed down stateside. They're probably in St. Cloud right now. Um, I would assume they're not traveling back to Fairbanks. From I would imagine they're taking some Sloshman advice and going to the Chipotle, the best, maybe going, best maybe place to eat in town. Seeing the St. Cloud fine dining at the Chipotle, uh, <laughs> maybe getting reservations for the whole team. Maybe they're going down, seeing all the we sites, uh, hitting up gritty St. Cloud. Uh, maybe getting a tour and getting maybe lucky. Yeah. Lucky. If they're, all, if they're not booked up, who knows? Maybe getting a good look at the dam. I should reach out yeah. to them. Actually. It's been a while. Thank you. I'm actually writing that down. Follow up with Bob. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, this was a, you know, kind of a darling story last year with Alaska, you know, everyone's favorite independent team who, kind of it's it's not so far off from what we've seen this year where they really didn't do very well against good teams but took care of business against bad teams now again you could classify michigan tech as a good team those have probably been their best wins last year like if you would have looked at their schedule last year they got swept at home against michigan tech last year um but i don't believe they won a game other they, they beat denver and denver but then no other wins against any tournament quality or tournament qualifying teams. So, but a team that sort of racked up a quantity of wins by playing a, a mostly independent schedule with uh, you know, Lindenwood and uh, Long Island and teams of that caliber. I, I seriously, I, I do think it's a team that St. Cloud needs to take seriously. I think they're going to present some challenges. Yep. Um, terms of size and sort of a physicality and at this point we got to take everybody seriously as i said at the beginning of the show like 
we should maybe not set the bar too high than a split. And that's that win. If you're getting a split might, might be a all out battle based on how this team is performing so far. Who knows? Maybe we get out there on Friday and St. Cloud clicks and Alaska's got, you know, Chipotle legs and it's a no contest. I'd love to see it, but we almost need to be proven that other until seeing otherwise we, we need to sort of almost expect that we're still going to see a team like in St. Cloud that's struggling to find its identity. Um, once it clicks, I think that this team certainly has the pieces. It's yeah. just a matter of getting them together. And I think the, the big key for St. Cloud is finding some veteran leadership step up um, and finding finding some way to be able to create tempo create their own pace. Like, I don't feel like they've really outside of that early stretch of the first St. Thomas game, they've really kind of just been playing the other team's game. And which is, is there a way that they can dictate play? That's surprising that it's come this far that we still haven't quite seen that yet. And the St. Thomas game was largely a byproduct of penalty trouble for St. Thomas and, and and a power play that clicked then. At least on that night. It's like I'm struggling to so find can we their see, identity. Yeah. Like they, we don't have an identity yeah. yet of what type of team we are. Right. And yeah, it can't even just be a team that's, you know, struggles to score on five on five, but they're deadly on the power play because that only lasted one game, really. Yeah. And so, and they're not really scoring much on five on five either. Uh, just three, if you're not counting the extra attacker goal that they scored on on Saturday. And so, um, you know, just not doing enough to produce offense and, and not doing enough to prevent goals either from the defense. I've heard in or hockey from that's a goal bad team. combination. It's, it's not the so best, not, not the best combination to win hockey no. games. So yeah, let's, let's see something. It's if I'm, if you're saying I'm, I'm really trying to be lenient here. Like, and that's not really necessarily my role um, <laughs> on this show is to be the lenient guy, but I'll, 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 I'll finish with this with, with a little bit of that idiot optimism, as we mentioned earlier, I was doing a little, little research on last year and some of the better teams. So these are some tournament teams and some of these are number one seeds in the tournament kind of slow starts out of the gate last year. Um, BU started the year last year, two and three, their first game of the year. They lost nine to two at Michigan. They ended up making the frozen four. Quinnipiac uh, started the year two, one and two. That included a home tie to Long Island, the vaunted shocks. And Quinnipiac had a scare this weekend too. Did have a scare. Had to go to overtime to beat AIC, our favorite, our, our favorite our bees, favorite Atlantic hockey squad. Uh, Denver, uh, they started two and two. They got swept at UMass, a UMass team that ended up being below five hundred for the year. As we mentioned before, the Western Michigan started their season with a bad loss at Anchorage. Michigan Tech, they won two of their first five games, included a loss at Ferris State, and then a series at home where they lost and tied to Bemidji State. 
these are all teams that made the tournament last mm-hmm. year. Some of them were number one seeds in the field. Quinnipiac obviously won the whole thing. So, yeah, and maybe one in three, that's not as good as any of these teams' starts. But as I said, the the result was, you know, it's kind of the difference was with overtime with two of the losses for St. Cloud. So, and we see with BU this year, I mean, coming into the year is the prohibitive number one fa- favorite of the country. And kind of look at this team losing, barely beating Bentley last weekend and then losing to a bad New Hampshire team this weekend and then getting creamed at home against the U18s. And that game doesn't count, but still, just from a pride perspective, who I just would, if you think that we're sort of uh, a little down on the Huskies, imagine what the BU Hockey Podcast <laughs> hosts are talking about tonight. So, yeah. Yeah, this, this they're not the only team to struggle out of the gates, and they're not the, and it's not impossible for a team to struggle out of the gate and still right the ship. And we're four games into the yeah. season. Yes, these have been four ugly, ugly games. North, but there's still North time. Dakota made like a career, a coaching career oh, yeah. out first of this. Halves. So first halves were always 500 right. or below before. Right. Before. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 certainly possible. There's enough time. It's just. It's a matter of, do you got the, do you got the talent? Do you have the capability of bringing that talent together, in order to turn this around? I'm I'm skeptical at best at that right now, but I'm not going to be idiot idiotic enough to think that the season is over yeah. four games in either. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see six games in after this weekend. How, <laughs> right. how we feel, right? So, if I'm not jumping off the ship now, maybe next week I'm getting in my wetsuit. <laughs> And then the weekend, then the Miami series, then I, I, I might be uh, um, climbing the ladder, so to speak, on, onto the game plank. Gotcha. Um, you know, just kind of uh, we teased a couple of it around the nation. There was a lot of uh, interesting uh, results, fun results, a lot of fire wagon hockey, as they say. Uh, moral of the story, when it's end, looking at the polls. Uh, Brown still one receiving vote. So on Brown watch, I'll, I'll get a some kind of a some some kind of a a tone for that. But um, oh sure, yeah, we gotta have we got to we at got this to. point. It's just and hey, they're staying consistent. Yep. That's all that we ask <laughs> is true. you stay consistent. So we know they had a great week in practice last week, and that certainly didn't change. Yeah. I was. So I was going to tweet out too that I, I I yearn for the day where there is one receiving vote for Brown in both the men's and the women's poll, <laughs> um, just to see if I can narrow down maybe that's the same voter in both polls. Um, but unfortunately, no, uh, no, uh, no receiving votes in the women's poll for Brown. However, Brown is two games in, so. Like the women play early enough, really? but it's just interesting that the men's they they hold out for until the end of you know end of October, early November. Well, that must be tied to the fact that the women's season starts two weeks earlier. It's, I mean, right? Yes, I, I always thought that Ivy's ended; they couldn't start. Maybe I, I thought it was October, but no, I see the men's team. Their first game is the twenty seventh of October. So maybe it's like three weeks into the season they can't start. 
I know so it's a really weird. stupid kind of an, so antiquated rule that they self-impose on them, but and I didn't realize that the whole start of the season. I always thought that was like October first for the men's season. That's when it could start, mm-hmm. but it's all tied to it's like 180 days prior to the national title game. That's why the first game of the season has to be a Saturday. So that's first weekend of the year always has to be a stupid Saturday Sunday series. It's like, why? Like, can we just start with Friday and Saturday? Like, why does it all have to tie to your dumb rules? Nope, we should start with a Tuesday game. And it should be like a Hall of Fame game or something like that. It should just be a random. It should be. In like some random barn in some stupid town that is nowhere associated with anything. Over a stupid trophy. Let's put a trophy attached to it. You can tell the tenor of this podcast because we're saying it's just everything is dumb and stupid and idiotic and God, this stupid team that we got a stupid cover every dumb weekend. I love stupid trophies and stupid (laughs) bowl games or what. I'm a little bit sickos committee when it comes to that. So, Um, but yeah, a lot of fun results overall. I mean, obviously our results were not great, but, um, Augustana getting their sweep over Bowling Green, um, uh, Michigan again, uh, powerhouse. And a lot of people picked them. They, uh, they had a rough weekend over against UMass. No, they did win. They smoked them on Friday, Friday, but to come back and then lose and, you know, six to three on Saturday. And they had a two nothing lead in that game. I was watching. That was kind of my secondary game for for a bit. Um, you gotta avoid early season UMass. Just mentioned yeah, it with exactly. Denver getting swept out there last last year. Gotta watch out. It's a trap game. They got it. Mankato next. Actually, UMass goes to Mankato. Um, everyone's uh, everyone loved to get on the Miramac train, um, and uh, it's not to be not to be there as uh, Arizona State kind of took care of them. Um. Then um, I talked a little bit about uh, uh, St. Thomas and Minnesota. That was uh, that was a fun game of hockey that uh, went back and forth. That was at the X. I think they had like 9,000 or so people there. I think they sold out the lower bowl, or if not, it was close. Um, but it was um, St. Thomas 4-2 um, early in the third. So they had a chance to really kind of pull up the upset, but uh, Minnesota was able to kind of claw their way back. Stubberud had a had a heck of a weekend. Um, we saw a couple of, you know, Penn State, oddly, um, took a week off from their yearly uh, October cake diet um, of feasting on Atlantic hockey teams, and they actually swept – a series in the North country in New York with Clarkson and, and St. Lawrence, but the other big 10 schools feasting on those same cupcakes tumbled a little bit. Uh, Notre Dame losing to RIT, uh, them traveling to RIT for a single game series. It's questionable there. <laughs> Michigan state went out to air force and uh, split that series. Six to five win for Air Force on Thursday. It's a Thursday Friday series. Gotta love those. Yeah. And then Michigan Tech, or Michigan State, State came back to beat them on Friday. But you know, two wins there for Air, for Atlantic Hockey over Big Ten teams. And then you had um, Lindenwood scrap uh, scrap and claw to come back against uh, Ohio State on Saturday to salvage a tie. 
uh, out of the Buckeyes, scoring a late goal there in the third to tie it, and was was able to stave them off in overtime. So Lindenwood kind of spoils yeah. Ohio State's weekend slightly, um, and you know, it's just like you said, it's it's been very much a parody um, start to the season. Holy Cross sweeping a, a home and home with UConn. Um, you know, we saw the uh, icebreaker. They're doing these. I, I see next year they've scheduled the icebreaker for Vegas. It'll be the first time they've actually done a true kind of icebreaker at one facility. Because last two years they've done these split icebreakers. Last year it was CC and or no Air Air Force in Denver uh, were the hosts, yep. and then this year it was um, North Dakota Bemidji. and Bemidji splitting it. And we saw Bemidji somehow go to overtime with Wisconsin. Wisconsin put up like sixty shots. Uh, but then only could win in overtime uh, against uh, Bemidji. And then Wisconsin ends up getting shut out against uh, North Dakota, who handily took it, took care of Harvey the night before. So a good start for North Dakota season. Miami keeps chugging along with their early season sort of success with sweeping Canisius. They did that last year, though, too. Uh, and look how the rest of the year turned out for them. Um, Western Michigan keeping in the conference. Uh, they're only able to win uh, and then tie against Ferris Evans State. So, I mean, not the best result, but not the worst result either. And then we had, uh, we've mentioned it already, the uh, Minnesota Duluth, Northern Michigan, sort of Donnybrook, um, uh, lots and lots of goals. Uh, five goals each night for Northern Michigan, and they're winless on the weekend. 5-5 <laughs> uh, tie and then an 8-5 loss for them. We, in a series I, I see was just littered with penalties uh, and lots of power play goals and lots of complaining by Duluth fans for bad officiating. CC, nice weekend for them, sort of just kicking butt against Union. A couple of four-goal wins there, uh, so good good start to their season. A, a team that we were kind of thinking, you know, good goalie, but where is the offense going to come? And they put up 13 goals against an albeit – kind of weak union team uh, and they got Long Island this weekend. So looks like they're kind of feasting on the cupcakes early in the season too, but that might be a good recipe for them team that uh, kind of a sexy pick to, to uh, compete this year. Even though I think we both had them at seventh. I think it's uh, still a team that you should keep an eye on. It's a team right now that I wouldn't take for granted as far as St. Cloud, like let's watch out for them. You might be fighting for them for, home ice when it all shakes out. So yeah, like you said, uh, Omaha, uh, a lot of Omaha. Yep. They, they don't have the redux of, of last uh, year. Yeah. A sweep uh, at home against Niagara. They sweep them this year. And so including off eight to a better to start. I wanted to make some kind and then of, and had it got out a two to one, two to one win. On Saturday. I wanted to make some kind of dig at Minnesota Duluth being able to score, um, you know, what, 13 goals on the weekend. But uh, they were able to put up some goals here um, against Arizona State last year before really hitting a time when they only scored, like, one goal a game for the next, like, four games after that, something along those lines. But, yeah, you don't often see eight next to a Minnesota Duluth score, uh, you know, over the past, you know, however since Satterdahlin took over. Sandalin, good lord, Saturdalin. Am I going back to what Bloomington Jefferson? 
a career change yeah. I was un, unaware of. Jeff Satterall on coaching the Bulldogs. Yeah, there we go. I'll edit that out. It's okay. No, no, no. I, I made that change. Yeah, you keep it in. So, yeah. Um, let's, uh, anything else around, or should we switch over to the women? So we have something positive to say. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. Right. I, I know we had some questions. We can probably get more into those kind of topics later, but yeah, let's cover the All women. Right, perfect. Uh, women were able to take care of uh, Bemidji State um, uh, with a five to two win um, on on Friday, and then the three uh, nothing shutout uh, on on Saturday. I was able to go to the Saturday uh, Saturday game, so I I was in attendance for that one. Watched the five to two game. Um, now, obviously, on paper, you look at Bemidji, and that was a team where you should get six points, um, even with, um, you know, just kind of looking at, uh, you know, the rosters and where the teams are and everything along those lines. This is one's like, okay, we can't stumble. And, um, you know, first two periods, it was a little bit dicey, um, end up being tied yeah. um, before uh, the first five minutes of third period. St. Cloud was just really kind of to take it over. Um, now throughout the whole weekend, I thought St. Cloud outplayed Bemidji, um, but Bemidji was kind of still always able to, to, to hang around before, uh, St. Cloud was able to finally kind of turn, uh, turn it. Now, obviously the big, uh, the big story coming out or the big question mark, I should say, cause obviously we don't have a lot of news going on about it. Um, just kind of on the injury front, um, Emma Gentry, who obviously is our best player. Um, it was on the line chart for Friday's game, ended up getting scratched, you know, somewhat similar to Anhorn last year, where all of a sudden it was just like, oh, he's, she's not playing. Um, so the Huskies were shorthanded. Um, and then Taylor Lind also did not play in that Friday game. Taylor Lind was the extra forward on Saturday's game. Now, I tweeted out that she was firmly in the middle of the bench right in between the uh, the forwards and the and the defensemen, which usually that means you're in no man's land there. You're 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 probably not going to get a lot of a lot of time there. And I don't recall her stepping out on the ice at all. Um, so, you know, two of your best players there uh, were out for the weekend and still able to take care of Bemidji um, and you know, that kind of, that, uh, bode well, I think a little bit for me, considering how a little bit of a letdown there at Mercyhurst, even though you got the split, but you didn't get a lot of the goal scoring. Uh, but you know, seeing that we were able to take care of business against Bemidji while being shorthanded, uh, was, it was a good sign there for the women's team. I, I agree. Uh, yeah, based on the fact that you played maybe with your two best players unavailable. Yeah. Like you said, it was, it was a little underwhelming there for a little bit. I mean, Bemidji gave them a good test. I thought their goalie Thompson played pretty well, kept them in the game. Um, that Saturday game was pretty tight as well. Uh, and even like in a shot category, um, St. Cloud really wasn't able to pull away, but, Maybe that's what evens the game up against Bemidji State with St. Cloud is the fact that they're, you know, Gentry and Lind are unavailable. Um, and yeah, we, we, we need to get some answers as far as what's going on there because 
we got the Gophers coming up Tuesday, uh, tomorrow, probably maybe today, depending on when this podcast is released. But uh, it'll be your first big test, and we'll, we'll get to previewing it here in a little bit. But um, we just need a healthy team here. Like uh, I, I will say though, with with those players injured, I was able to sort of get a greater appreciation of some of the other players on this team. I thought Laura Zimmerman had a very good weekend yep. stepping up. CC Bowlby um, also had a, a nice yeah, weekend. I think um, uh, a couple of goals on she, Saturday. Yeah, she, Bowlby was my player of the weekend. I thought she was incredibly noticeable um, overall out on the ice. Um, transfer from Dartmouth. Um, you know, the joke was so many, yeah. that it was, um, you know, I hope, I just hope she's able to kind of stay academically eligible um, with the more <laughs> workload um, of the rigorous studies at St. Cloud State coming from Dartmouth, some whatever school that is. So, um, but yeah, I thought, you know, she had a, a great presence all weekend. I thought, I thought she was great. Um, Alice Sorrell um, got, got a goal as well. But I mean, these are young players that are kind of stepping up. Um, I mean, Bowlby, obviously, grad transfer. Um, but you're talking about Zimmerman, freshman. Sorrell, freshman. I thought Avery Farrell, uh, sophomore, had a strong game as well. Another one of the transfers. Um, yeah, from Franklin from, Pierce. Uh, Franklin Pierce, mm-hmm. terrible presidents. Um, and then... Anytime you could drop that. Uh, we need a sounder for Franklin Pierce, apparently, as well, right? I, I actually had a, I was curious. Do you want to guess what their actual nickname is? Oh, please. Um, I'm going to go with the the, the, the Pincers. <laughs> it's not Franklin bad. Pierce. It's the Ravens. Ravens. You got to just think of a bird, okay. generally. You want to guess, like, any sort of school nickname, just go with a bird. It's about 75% of the time. It's going to be correct. But yeah, she's been she's been good as well. I, I like Clara Himlarova. I think she gives a good physical presence, um, kind of a hard worker. Uh, I, I like that uh, her style of, of play as well. This was, I mean, matching all these transfers that they have. Um, this was a reunion tour of sorts as well for Ella Anik and Taylor Larson from the Point. Both were uh, playing for Bemidji last year. I've really been impressed with Anik so far this year. Anik didn't put up too many points uh, last seven, year with Bemidji. Seven but, points last year, two goals, five assists. She's almost matched games, that already. One goal, five assists. So she's been... And even more than that, just kind of a... a, a you hear her name all through the broadcast. Yeah. Like, uh, she's a very active, puck-handling... Um, you know, defender and it's, it's, uh, it's good to see them spread not only the offense around, but just the key kind of playmaking. And as you mentioned previously in the show, Sandy Ahola, what, yep. what else can you say? Another, another shutout, three, three starts three, three uh, and three shutouts. Can't really get any better than that. Again, we're talking union and Bemidji state. I do. You know, Mercyhurst was decent, but not the best competition coming into this this Tuesday game against this one off against the Gophers. They have been rotating JoJo I'm, and Ahola. So where where do you go here? Do you keep? I think you go with Ahola yeah. for this one, and maybe you can return to the uh, the uh, tandem for the weekend. We play the icebreaker up in Sacred Heart, um, but particularly, I mean, you just go with a hot hand um, and. 
because it's not a series, yeah. you don't have to worry. Like someone's, you're not going to be able to do the the rotation in a one game, so you're not going to offend at least any I hope one not. of them. I don't want to see a rotation this game by playing. Both Usually, if you see a rotation but. in the game, it's a bad thing. Um, now with right. um, a whole of like you said, yeah, it's maybe not the best competition, but I think just the way she is just so poised and unflappable, yeah. like 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 seeing her play goalie and seeing Bassey play over the weekend is just mm. completely two different styles of, you know, just, just how calm and collected a whole is and nothing rattles her and always in position and making the play. And it's, you know, that it's like kind of um, an ace in the hole there. So that's kind of what I'm hoping that we're going to kind of get that continued. And, but, you know, obviously with Minnesota, who's had nothing but coasting pretty much all season, um, they had a uh, swept RAT with a combined score of eight to one. And then St. Thomas here with a combined score of uh, 12, nothing after two back-to-back shutouts. I mean, this is a series here that like, Gentry and Lind, uh, you got to have these players available. And if they're not available, it's going to be a really tall task for the Huskies to be competitive in this game. Minnesota, just so incredibly deep, um, you know, much like they always are. But it's. Yeah, you'd like to think that, hey, this is, we're, we're beyond the era of Taylor Heisey, uh, Grace Umwinkle. They're both gone. Uh, after last year, uh, but th- they've got they've got such a pipeline that they just kind of keep this moving, just kind of reload this year so far. And again, it's it's early, four games and four not really competitive games uh, from their perspective. But you know, Abby Murphy off to a good start with eleven points, 11 points in four, in four games. games. That's Would you bad. take that? I don't know. It's all right. That'll that'll play. Uh, so natural hat trick for the for Murphy in the first St. Thomas game as well. So, you know, 50 point season last year, and that was kind of you know, as a role player, putting that in quotes, but you had kind of Heisey, one of the, I don't know, five best women's college hockey players of all time, maybe top 10, at least I'd say. Uh, and Zumwinkle too, had a great career too. So, you know, she can kind of ascend to maybe the star player for them this year. It's going to be a very difficult game. This is going to be at Ritter. So, uh, road game here for the Huskies. Um, certainly, I mean, yeah, I've said Mercyhurst, yeah, they're, they're decent. This is by far the biggest test yeah. that St. Cloud is going to face so far this year. And, you know, we saw it last year. They were able to pick one off here against the Gophers in the Hall of Fame game. That was a neutral site game. Was it at the, um, was that at Andover? I believe it was. Uh, so not even any current college facility but four to one win there where they they looked you know they look very good i think the gophers kind of took that game off sort of mentally as well caught them at a good time and it was a it was one of those midweek games these midweek games can sneak up on you um but it's it's gonna be a huge test and i mean i'm just excited to see i'm more just like even if we have Lind and Gentry available, are they going to be at a hundred percent? Probably not. And um, certainly if they don't play, 
that really starts to worry me because, okay, you know, maybe these players aren't a hundred percent, but you're kind of leaving them out because, you know, as it turned out, you could beat Bemidji without those players. And this is kind of like a precaution that, you know, we just want to have them at their healthiest rather than try to risk aggravating, aggravating a, a minor injury into a major one. Well, if they don't play this game, then I'm wondering if it's more of a serious injury. And particularly if Gentry is going to be on the shelf here for any sort of extended period, you know, that, that really sort of would put a crimp into my expectations. So their health is maybe the number one key is what I'm going to look for coming into this, this matchup. But if they are healthy, um, I'm not even like asking, like predicting or asking for a win here at Ritter. I mean, that's a, that's a tall order to say the least, but at least show me a bit of competitiveness um, against, you know, an elite team that we haven't seen like in many years past. Uh, And we even saw last year, we did have the one win again in the, in the neutral site game. He played them fairly tight in two of the games and uh, four to two and two to one. And I remember watching that two to one game um, and it was a tight one close, uh, you know, tied five minutes to go in the third period before the winner. Uh, We shouldn't say too much about the second series, Mm -hmm. the second home at home, two losses by a combined 15 to rip score. Uh, And that's more the, Gophers versus St. Cloud games that we were accustomed to for the 20 years prior to that. So, yeah, we really like what they see. I believe I saw this as the best start that the St. Cloud women's team has had to start the season. Five five and one. one. Um, but now, now we're playing the big girls mm-hmm. and we can see if, uh, if we step up to the occasion and yeah, maybe you don't win the game, but if it's a tight, tight affair and you're competitive. Um, I'm going to be most interested in that, but, but that it's going to come down to a lot of it. It's going to come down to what the, what the line chart looks yeah. like, because if you're not at hundred um, percent, it's going to take, it's going to take a lot for this team to pull off a, a big upset, but you know, let's, let's cheer for it. And I, I like the other pieces around here. I just, I like them better as supporting pieces rather than the main pieces. You know what I mean? Like it's always hard to just play without your top players. It's never, never an easy task. So this will be a, this will be a fun one. Uh, It's going to be an interesting game to watch and I am definitely looking forward to it. I, I kind of like the midweek games, like, you know, watching the, Except the Friday game, it's kind of like I got the women's game as my secondary game on the iPad, men's game on the main screen. It's like this one's in isolation; no other games going against yeah. it. So I can, I can definitely um, put all my attention on it. So yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, but let's hope a that we get these players, Gentry and Lynn, back. That's the biggest key, it's not just for this game, but going forward for the rest of the season. I mean, they do these midweek games all the time on the uh, East Coast. Why not, uh, you know, have that more of a staple here in the West, right? And you can do it. You know, it's just an hour drive in between yeah. these two schools, at least. So, all right, questions. 
Um, Dan Jacobson uh, wants to know what is defense. And that's what is yeah, defense? What is defense? And uh, come on, you, you go to defense, you, you know, you, you uh, should tell me what defense Saturday all it over there is. Uh, <laughs> hey, they he took that vaunted, everyone knows Bloomington Jefferson early 90s was well known well, for defense. No. That's all they did was defense. So, so he, it's he's they're assist, it's a system school, and and it's just it's all the ref's fault yeah, anyway, exactly. right? So, um. Yeah, well, don't ask us because apparently St. Cloud not great at it either. So, um, yeah. <laughs> which player's slow start has surprised you the most? Um, so top of my head, I'm going Okabe. Okabe, that's um, I was thinking Kupka um, was a little bit again. You know, obviously the veterans. I didn't know what to expect from Ingram. Um, so I don't know if it was a surprise because I thought it was a possibility he would start slow, um, but he definitely has. But I think Okabe and and Akuka uh, are kind of the main two that I'm thinking of. Obviously, I can't say Salquist because he's still in a slow start from his freshman year. But um, <laughs> God, okay, now I'm playing up to it a little bit too much because I don't like I don't even hate Salquist at all. It's just I don't, I don't get the love affair from from Brett. So, um, yeah, without without Kabi, it's like, like I said the, the first weekend. I I saw a little bit too many like dipsy doodles. I didn't even see that this weekend. Like I I saw him just I, I really didn't see a ton out of him really, and I wouldn't have noticed him really at all if Mankato guy wasn't butchering his name every five seconds, but. Uh, I mean, that's, like I said, I, I've been mostly fine with this, with the freshmen. Yeah. You know, they're not going to tear, tear up the score sheet. Um, even though Barrett Hall might be your best player right now, but I think he is. like, I, you just, you, you gotta find some way, some leader. It's like they, they need a leader in the, among the forwards. And there was like, we had one, with Fitzgerald and then Crookshank, like, you know, going back, I mean, even like Cranola last year too. Um, but guys that settle into that fourth and now even fifth year roles, those are the guys that, you know, if not lead your team in offense from just on the stat sheet, but just, you know, in the locker room and just as a forward unit, we yeah I I appreciate we need to start changing lines up a little bit but you know we need to find something that clicks and I think that kind of starts with who are your anchors and I'm really kind of looking at the the upperclassmen here as someone's got to step up in that group I think I think that's the big X factor so far. Um. Uh. Why have we looked so non-aggressive so far? Um, it's now Chris and I talked a little bit when it came to, uh, like the three on three and I don't, and 
like that's kind of how like three on three has gotten is just that more of the plotting and then just kind of waiting around and you know usually sometimes even they'll come back out of the full zone to regroup and come back in but overall i have noticed that there has been a lot less of the defensemen jumping up into the play um when they do i like it um and there were a couple times that i did see pierre tananhorn do it um but overall it's just it feels like we haven't had enough pressure to get the defense engaged um and i think that's I don't know if everyone's just kind of a little bit too timid, but I do wish we would be a little bit more aggressive and kind of see that a little bit more. Yeah, I agree with that. I, as far as where that or why, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I I don't, I can't really answer that question, but yeah. And and we have seen plays like, and again, how much do we feed in or take stock in overtime results? But there has been times where guys like Anhorn have been a little too aggressive. And so it's a finding a fine balance. I, I, I don't have the right answer or solution to that, but, but yeah, we notice those kind of things or have those kind of questions when things aren't clicking. And yeah, this, as we mentioned prior to the year about how we're waxing poetic about how we love this defensive core, either from that aspect of it, jumping in into the offense or defending kind of what the position's named after haven't been blown away by either, either facet of that so far. And again, it's, it's surprising with Anhorn. Like uh, again, I think it's maybe a a combination of trying to do too much or put too much on his shoulders at some points in the game. But um that's yeah. That's the surprising aspect is just the the this. It's not the usual suspects that I'm thinking of as far as um, not getting any production out of. It's it's the guys that I expected that are more sort of the disappointments. Maybe that's a maybe that's a, a recipe for optimism because if anyone's going to turn their season around, it's going to be the guys that have had a track record of doing so at the college level. Right. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm using the idiot optimism hat here, but um, it's more likely that Zach Okabe is going to turn in and end up putting in a 35 point season. than somehow magically thinking that Jack Rogers is going to do that or uh, Tyson gross or something like that, you know, like, so, Perhaps that is a, a thing to be optimistic about. I'm not sure, but grabbing at straws. That's all I can do at this point. Yeah, that's very true. Um, do you expect a uh, goalie tandem? Kind of going forward. Do you think Posh is going to start getting some more time? or Should we go back to that? Again, I think it's a wild card with James Gray, you know, like, and I think doing like a three man tandem is much trickier than a two man tandem, obviously with two games a weekend detail. So I, again, I'm not sure what, I have no opinion really about Posh so far. I mean, he really wasn't tested all that much uh, in that Mankato game. 
uh, you know, he looked fine, but I, I'm not going to yeah. use that as a basis to petition for him to get the starting job anytime soon. I just, we, we got to, we got to see what he, what he does in a full 60 minutes and same with gray. Gray might be the better of him and posh. He might be better than all three of them. We just don't know. And I don't know if there is still an injury concern with him. I think if I, there obviously is, cause I think he would have got, he would have been the first guy off the bench in Mankato if he had been healthy Again, just speculating there, but, um, uh, yeah, let's see what they let's see what they both have, and I don't know how you play that. I don't, I don't think you want to completely abandon Bassey. I mean, let's not forget he had a good year last year. I mean, it wasn't Hashik like, but he, had, especially that first half of the year, you know, he was arguably better than Caster. We might have so, to uh, go back and talk about who Dominic Hasek was to some of our younger listeners. Cause they're going to, it's true. They're going to be a little he confused. He was a goalie. Uh, he played his, hockey. His spine was a slinky actually is how he played goalie. <laughs> so yeah, he was a good goalie. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, I'm not going to, so I'm not going to give up on Bassey. He's just, he hasn't looked not great. His sharpest. And, uh, but I think you still got to cycle him in too. So this is one where that's why they don't, that's why I'm not a coach. I don't know how to make these decisions. Cause it's, you know, you're, you're dealing with egos, you know, office politics here, you know, Bassey's the only guy on this roster that had any college experience prior to prior to Saturday. So now, now all of a sudden he's buried on the bench like Keenan Rancier for Mankato. Uh, this thing I don't think we have an Alex Tracy just who's already got you know dozen games under his belt yeah, we'll, uh, to, we'll, to throw the job. Yeah, we'll to. see what he has. I don't know. It's I'd like to see Gray though too. And so again, I think the schedule kind of works out okay. It's you're not starting the season right away playing the Denver's and the UNDs of the world. But you think you can, you think you can, uh, you know, be competitive in a series against Miami, for instance, coming up uh, where you can see what you got in net. Yeah. So I'm just looking forward. If it, if it is going to be a long season, more of a rebuilding year, those are the kind of things that I look forward to in a rebuilding kind of season. We haven't had one of those in a while, which is fortunate about that, but, if you remember that 1920 season, yeah, you know that was the first sort of big freshman influx and first kind of action we saw from guys like Haster. And a lot of that wasn't pretty, but they got that experience that year, which I think kind of steeled them, kind of made them, you know, tougher, better players in the long run. At the, you know that that group ends up making several tournaments in a row and a, and a deep run at that in one of those years. So even if this is going to be more of a rebuilding year, I, there's still value in watching the development and um, seeing how these players emerge just from individuals or positional battles within the team. So I'm still looking forward to however this season shakes out, because I think there are some, talented players in this group and excited to see how it all sort of progresses. 
Um, over under 15 wins for the Huskies team. It's probably a pretty good over under. I'm, I'm thinking over at this I think, point. I think, I, I think we're going to straighten the ship. Really? So one and three, you play 36 or 34 until the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just so few games. 15. I'll say over. Yeah, there we go. I'll say over. Um, But I think it's going to, it's it's a good over-under. Like, it's not like a slam dunk, which would have been. 13 days ago, it would have been a slam dunk. <laughs> uh, biggest surprise so far. Like, I don't know. Negative or positive? Sure. or Ben says biggest surprises so far. Maybe one negative, one positive. My, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned, I say, yeah, I mentioned Okabe. It's, I would, I would have thought Okabe is going to be your, your leading point scorer this year. And, and that's not been the case. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably my negative surprise. What about? We'll, we'll start with the negatives, and then we'll end on the positive. Uh, my negative so far is Batsy. And that's yeah, yeah that's another. Um, and then my positive has been Barrett Hall. I mean, I know I've been saying his name. I would say that, and I, I, I did, I did wax poetic about Vernon Mietin last week, and I'll, I'll throw that out there as well. Um, and really, if we want to go all of St. Cloud, I can go CC Bowlby as a big surprise as well. It's a good one too, and I mean, a hole has done this for a couple of yeah. years, but oh, I, like I you said, Anik, three straight shutouts, Anik going from Anik's been a good yeah, one, yeah. going from seven points, like you said, we like we talked about all last year with Bemidji to six points so far this season. Which I think five of them were in the Union series, so let's not get so far ahead of ourselves. Nope. But I am. That's you know that those those are good good picks. So. And I'm trying, yeah, I, I, yeah, grow. I I've, I've liked sort of the the freshmen. I mean, other than Clark, I think they've all sort of brought something to the table, at least from the men's side, and so. So those are some good surprises. I, I I I think again, I think they've got the talent. It's just it might be a little too raw, but there was a chance that they could bring it together too. And then um my last one, why wasn't an upperclassman center brought through via the transfer portal? And uh wouldn't it be great if there was a crookshank yeah. right picking on the apple tree every year. It'd be nice to to have that, I mean, yeah, I mean, Larson had to have known that that was going to be a weakness. Um, so, well, if he would have known that, then he he probably should have been a little bit more, more at it. active. I mean, settling for Nick Ports, uh, even at the time, kind of seemed underwhelming. Yeah. And again, how it's. It's not all that. It's not always that easy, obviously. But so, I, and there is some like politicking, and you're talking like grad students. Some of that might be like, what program, academic program, do you offer? 
I think it's, it is very similar to recruiting. I think it is a little different though. I think there's some different dynamics at play. You're, you're only bringing a guy in for one year. In a lot of cases, there are the traditional transfers that can be there for multiple years, but at least with the Crookshank situation, that was a grad transfer for one season and one season only. So if you're trying to get a guy just with one year to go, there's going to be different dynamics there from bringing in a guy fresh for four years. So, yeah, and there's just not always going to be that sort of perfect fit available. There's, yeah, there, I'm sure there was plenty of centers available, but um, how many of them were ever legitimately on St. Cloud's radar versus yeah. was he active? Was he trying to get these guys and just lost out on some, some and teams. who knows if it would, they would have been better anyway. So, right? I mean, I mean, that was the thing about Crookshank too. I remember at that time saying this, this seems, I mean, it was kind of like an obvious, like he had almost made the choice the year before, before he went to the Gophers, but he was a guy that I don't think had ever put up a 20 point season prior to coming to the Huskies. So it's not like we knew right away, Oh, he's going to be a, 40 point score and he's going to be like one of the team MVPs. Uh, and it just kind of developed that way. And we kind of figure that out very quickly in the season. You're not going to hit those kind of home runs every year. Last year they hit it perfectly because they got Anhorn, they got Crookshank and then got Bassey who was, if you at least just look at his stats was very good last year, especially in a transfer situation. You're, I mean, it, it, it's lucky if you're going to hit three of those home runs in a five-year time period, much less one season. So perhaps that spoiled us a little bit to the fact that the transfer portal can just produce these, Mm -hmm. these home runs every single season. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to blame him because I don't know exactly what the dynamics were. And we don't know if he, he did try his damnedest and just, you know, fell short based on, based on um, conditions out of his control, but I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's punching himself too. Like, yeah, it would have been nice to pick up a Crookshank this year. Like, uh, it's always nice to have guys like that. If only that was just bring so in. Just... This isn't the NHL. It's not like it's actual free agency with salary caps and everyone's kind of got equal footing. And this is a team, by the way, I wanted to bring this up last week, but, I think it was the women's or maybe it was the, the one men's home game, but they mentioned the reason because we saw again, the women's team playing at home in the black uniforms. And I believe it was the men's game that said that the reason, and the men's team also played the black uniforms. And the reason is that they ordered the white uniforms for this year, but they haven't showed up yet, which is like a totally St. Cloud state story. Like, we ordered the uniforms, but I don't know. We forgot to pay shipping, uh, and they're showing up late. I mean, you're talking uh, – you made a Mighty Ducks reference. I guess we should be, based on St. Cloud's financial situation, we should be pleased that they, they don't look like the Mighty Ducks at the beginning of the first movie where they were all in different <laughs> uniforms and one of them was wearing, like, Jeez. a football helmet. Like, we should be – Please, that they at least have some uniforms to wear. But that's why they weren't wearing white, if you were curious, is that this year's jerseys with all the nameplates uh, are still at the shop uh, waiting. They're on the back of a truck somewhere in Idaho, uh, and they're still on the way you know to what? St. It, Cloud. It, it, 
I we're probably still dealing with supply chain issues. So that's probably what the big hang up is. It's actually in a in a boat overseas still trying to get cleared. So it's sitting in the Pacific right now. It's, yes, but I mean this this should illustrate this is not a, a a university flush with resources. So when we're complaining about not picking off our 50 point Hobie Baker candidate out of the transfer portal, keep that in mind. Uh, that about does it. Um, Andrew and I actually will probably be her. back um, in a couple of days. Uh, actually, we'll probably recap actually the women's game and then preview the women's uh, tournament. What do they got? Is it the icebreaker? It's the icebreaker. So, um, against who do they got? They got it. They got another solid test against Northeastern. Uh, Northeastern so, Husky and Husky batch up, and then. Uh, a team that they're likely smoke either sacred heart or Or Lindenwood. But yeah, we want to, we want to recap the gopher game in full and then also give a, a decent uh, preview for the icebreaker coming up. We got a new streaming service to tell you about that. I found out about this weekend. They're not playing on flow sports as it turns out, but it's a free service. So you don't yet got to pay for it. So I'll give you all those details uh, on either what, Wednesday or Thursday? Sometime. So they, they play on Tuesday and we'll probably jump on either the next day. But before Friday, we'll yeah. be we'll be back. We'll, we'll be back for mini pod. So. Alright, uh till next time. Go Huskies. Woo! Woo!